the greatest joy that we can ever experience in our life is when we connect so with the mission and purpose of Jesus Christ that our life, through our life, his story is told. It is why we are here. Now, last week as we began to look at this, I gave you a little card, and I'm going to pass these out again, and I um, wanted to encourage you to take one or two. It's a very simple explanation of the gospel of how we can come to know Jesus Christ, and, and ultimately, it describes a little bit about why we're here, because our ultimate purpose is to share his life and to show his greatness. Now, we began last week by looking at the passage that is very familiar called the the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, and we recognize that what God has commanded us to do is to go and to make disciples, to go and tell other people who Jesus is, to learn about him, and to obey him in all that we are doing. It is a great command. And, and really, a good way to translate the go, therefore, and make disciples of all peoples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you, is, is as you are going, make disciples. In other words, let it permeate every part of your life, your work life, your family life, your community life, certainly your church life, but everything that you are should connect with this purpose. It is why we are here. Your life and my life was made to tell his story. And when that becomes our understanding and the focus of our life, you will find incredible, incredible joy. Well, this story that we just heard from the Scripture And John chapter 4 is, I believe, one of the greatest examples about sharing Jesus' life with others we could ever have. Because we have two different sharings. Number one, Jesus goes and shares cross-culturally with the Samaritan woman who's at the well. And then later in the story, this woman goes to her own people and shares what Jesus has done in her life. Last week, I tried to challenge you that that is our call as a church, that God is calling us, first of all, to go to our own people here in a foreign land, those who speak your own language, who have cultural similarities, and secondly, he is calling us to go cross-culturally to other people. Now, I'm going to have a short message today. That's a commitment I'm making to you because I want to make time for an incredible story where Majid is going to share his testimony of of what God has been doing in his life, the journey that he and his family have taken, and, 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 and where they are now, um, the, the Lord has sent them here to the Czech Republic. And it's going to be really, really cool. And it's going to be, in a sense, another living story like we have right here. Well, let's look at Jesus' example of how he shared his story, his life, with the woman at the well, because we have much to learn from that. So we want to begin by following Jesus' example on how to share his story. What I want you to do, last week I I reminded you that the Great Commission begins with a a group of disciples who Jesus had chosen who worshipped him, but some doubted. They were fearful. They were insecure. They were uncertain that God could use them. So you and I are in good company because I know 
whenever we talk about sharing our faith, about being a witness, people get nervous and they think, I can't do that. And you're absolutely right. You cannot do that. But the Holy Spirit through you absolutely can. And so if you've trusted Jesus Christ, you are, as your Savior and Lord, you are 100% qualified to be a witness for him. And we're going to see that in this story as well. But let's look at what Jesus does. First of all, what we see is what, is, is what Jesus is offering the woman at the well. Look at John chapter 4, verse 10. Jesus answered her and said, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The truth is most of the people around us do not realize that God has something to give them. The point of evangelism, evangelism, of sharing our faith, is to let people know that God has a gift to give them, that he cares about them, and that he can radically transform their life in beautiful ways. And what is beautiful that we see here is that God takes an interest in each individual. You are not a project to God. He is interested in you individually. He loves you. He even likes you. He knows everything about you, and he still likes you anyway. He knows everything about me, and he still puts up with me. It's, it's amazing, and it's beautiful. He sees the masterpiece that you and I were created to be underneath the stain of sin and selfishness that still needs to be restored by his presence in our life. To many people, God is an authority to be resisted, a judge to be resented. They cannot escape the sense of sin inside of them, and they, they may not call it that, but there's an inner burning, burning that something is wrong and that there is a wall of separation between them and at least their idea of who God is. Our message, the message of Jesus Christ, is that he is a gift. The good news is that God has already done all of the giving. He did it through Jesus Christ. It is simply now up to us by his power to do the telling that the gift is available, the gift of a relationship with Jesus. Now, I want you to see how Jesus treats this woman at the well. Because Jesus Christ did more for women's rights than any other person who ever lived in all of history. He did not look down on them as a second-class citizen, even though within that culture and within that time, that's how they often were treated. He did not discriminate against her because um, she was of a different race. She was a Samaritan, and the Jews and the Samaritans did not get along. He did not shun her because of her sin. He treated her like a person that God was interested in. He cared for her. He loved her. Everyone else would have seen a wayward woman. What we see in the story is that it was about the sixth hour, which means it's noon. It is in the blazing heat of the day that this woman goes to the well when no one else is there. Normally, within that culture, going to the well was not only a time to get water, it was a time for all the gossip, all the news, to connect with your, with your girlfriends, and to, you know, to find out what's going on. But she has to go alone. 
she's there isolated because she's an outcast in her own community. And yet Jesus goes there to see her. In fact, I believe he intentionally goes to Samaria to meet with this woman. Verses 3 through 6 gives us this indication. It says that Jesus left Judea and departed again for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. Now, it would not have been the normal route to travel because usually the Jews would go around Samaria because they, they didn't want to travel through it. But it says in the scripture that Jesus had to go through Samaria. And it says that he went to a town called Sychar near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph, and Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well, and it was about the sixth hour noon. So Jesus chose to go to this woman. That's the first example we need to take to heart for ourselves. Jesus was intentional about making a connection with her. And if we're going to be faithful in sharing what Jesus has done in our life, we need to be intentional to go to other people as well. He, in this case, went cross-culturally because the Jews and the Samaritans did not get along, but they're the absolute same in the heart of God because God does not see us based upon the same human conditions that we see one another. He sees with a heart of love who he created you to be and the relationship he desires to have with you. Secondly, Jesus focused on the importance of the individual. He had to go to Samaria for the reason of encountering this woman. Also, he was going to encounter a whole bunch of other people but he was intentional about going to her. If we could see how far God has gone to reach you and I, we would be amazed. I want you to think back about your own life, about your own story, and the things that God put into place in your family, in your relationships, in um, troubles or trials that you had that ultimately led you to the point where you we're able to listen to the good news that Jesus Christ loves you and gave his life for you. For some of us, it's an incredible journey filled with pain, with hardship, with failure. For others, it's a different story, but just as amazing. Jesus is interested in us. And what Jesus did is he established a relationship he dealt with this woman as a person, not as a project, because he genuinely cared for her. Listen to what it says again in verses 7 through 15. And a woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food, and the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? She is shocked that he's even talking to her. Now, here's the thing. She would have been the least likely person for a Jewish believer to have thought would be interested in a relationship with God. In your life, in your circle of influence, there is a woman just like this or a man just like this that God is putting in front of you. Someone that you think would never be interested in spiritual things in a million years. 
And yet God's already working in their heart and just waiting for you and I to be obedient and intentional and share with them the joy that we have found in Jesus. It's beautiful. Well, Jesus answered her and said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with. She was being very practical. And the well is deep. Where did you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well and drank from it himself, and his, as did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus cared for her personally. He cared about who she was, and he cared even more importantly about her spiritual need. Through the relationship that he established in this conversation, Jesus proved that he really was interested in her and in her deepest needs. And then Jesus makes a transition to the barrier of sin that stands between her and God. He shared with her the good news that the joy the fulfillment that you're looking for is available, and it comes from God. And then he goes to help her recognize what's in the way that's keeping her from being able to experience this relationship with God. Now, Jesus, the way he handles this is beautiful because it's the way he handles you and I. It is filled with grace. Jesus does not condone the sin in her life, but he treats her very gently. Remember, when Jesus was dealing with the woman caught in adultery, he said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. What unfortunately happens in religion is that oftentimes we turn those things around. Go and sin no more, and then I will not condemn you. That's unfortunately what happens far too often in the church. But until we encounter the person of Jesus Christ, until he gives us forgiveness, there can be no transformation in our life, in our behavior. But when it does happen, there is transformation. That's what happens in the life of this woman. Let's look at what it says in the story. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one that you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Here is a woman who was truly looking for love in all the wrong places. Her life was just one failed relationship after another. But Jesus cared about her and was speaking to the deepest need. When he talked about that living water, he knew that her soul thirsted for meaning and for relationship that she had been trying to fill with a relationship with a man, and it never worked. Jesus saw more in her than just who she was on the surface. For the community, the woman at the well is a, is a woman whose sins are apparent. 
She'd been through five relationships. But she's not sinned alone. In fact, in those days, husbands divorced their wives, but wives did not and were not able to divorce their husbands. If this woman was married and divorced five times, or maybe one or more of those was, was as a widow, we don't really know, it doesn't tell us, but if she was divorced, then it would have been, she would have been put away. She would have been rejected five times by men. And it was, an, it was an unbalanced society when a man could divorce his wife for simply burning the bread for breakfast. It didn't take much to be rejected. And so Jesus is speaking into her, her heart, and because um, he loved her and cared about her, her need became a bridge to a spiritual conversation. And that's what we see in the next verses. Verse 19, the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain or in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You will worship, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So what Jesus does is he lets her know he knows about her. He knows who she is. He knows some of the pain of her life. And she then makes the transition herself to a spiritual conversation She's asking a question about where's the right place to worship, and Jesus cuts right to the heart of where her soul is. Because deep within this unlikely person was a desire to connect with God, a desire to be a true worshiper. She goes on and says, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called the Christ, verse 25. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. He revealed himself to her that he could truly meet her deepest thirst. Jesus reveals to her that worship is about a person and not about a place. It's not about the rituals. It's not about a religion. It's about a relationship where God has done all of the work and by grace he invites us into that relationship with him. It's not just a plan or a prayer or four easy steps. Salvation is not a product that will make your life better. It is about a personal connection with the God of the universe through his son, Jesus Christ. That's what we get to share with other people, is an incredible hope. And by establishing a relationship and, and, and revealing the need of her heart, Jesus was able to have a spiritual conversation with the woman that dealt with the very deep issues of who she was and her deepest spiritual need. Now, Jesus has an advantage in that he knows a lot more than we do. But we have this incredible blessing is that the Holy Spirit is within us, and that means that you and I can have conversations with people just like this, where he works under the surface, drawing that person to himself. But he has chosen to use you and I as instruments 
to tell his story through our life, through the way that we live, through the way that we love, and through the way that we speak and engage with others. So Jesus gives us an example, and then the woman herself becomes an example of how to share his story with others. Look what it says really, really briefly with me. So the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And they went out of the town and were coming to him. The woman at the well did exactly what Jesus had done. She chose to go. She chose not to keep this message bottled up inside, but she wanted to tell others that her life had been changed by an encounter with a man in the middle of the day at a well. Her life was changed because she had met the Messiah. And she went to those with whom she had a relationship. She would have went to those who thought of her in a shameful way, the same ones that basically rejected her, that she couldn't hang out with the other ladies at the well, she went to them and said, God has changed me. And instead of mocking her, they all went to go see. Isn't that good news? It doesn't matter how messed up you are or how messed up I am. What God can do through a changed life is absolutely amazing when we let him use us. And what she did was simply shared how Jesus had met her need, met her need and began talking with others about how he changed her. She became a bridge for others to come to Jesus for themselves. In fact, the end of the chapter, or the end of this portion of, of the passage tells us that the Samaritans went and listened, and, they, and then they said, no longer do we believe just because of what you said, but because we have now had an encounter with him ourselves. And that's what we are to do. We don't have to have all the answers. What we're called to do is to bring people to Jesus and allow him to do the change and transformation in their life. It's really not that hard of an assignment. But too often, fear keeps us from obeying it. So let me be real practical. I want to give you some ground rules, and then I want to send you out with an assignment before we hear our testimony but some ground rules about sharing your faith. Number one, it all begins with prayer. If you do not pray for opportunities to share your faith, you probably won't have them. And if you do not pray believing that God will answer your prayer, you probably won't have them either. So begin with those two things. Begin to pray and then look for how God's going to answer that prayer. And when if, if he brings someone to your heart and to your mind, maybe someone that is at a coffee shop that you encounter, maybe it's a, it's a coworker, maybe it's a classmate, whoever it is that he begins to bring to mind, begin to pray for them regularly. And then be relational. Get to know them. Ask, as, as I told you last week, ask really good questions. Go beyond the surface, and, and I'll give you some ideas about how you can do that. Things like, who's the person who's had the greatest impact in your life? See, when you ask a question like that, people will open up their heart to you. And first off, they'll be curious about why you're asking that. But you're asking it in order to get to know them and to find out what's important to them, what matters to them. It also gives you a connecting point to come back to. Because if I ask Reuben, who's had the greatest impact on his life, and and he begins to share with me, the next time I I see him, I can ask about that person and ask more about why that relationship was so meaningful. 
It gives us a connecting point that we can explore. And I can get to know more about him or about Valerie or about whoever we may encounter. Rest in the power of the Holy Spirit. He is with you. Also, make a commitment to love the person whether or not they ever respond in a positive way to anything that you share. That's how God loves us. We need to make the same kind of commitment because oftentimes it takes multiple encounters before someone will begin to open up their heart to the Savior. Listen first. So many times the challenge, the roadblock to us sharing our faith is that we want to tell everybody what we think they should do instead of listen. What Jesus did with the woman at the well was listened and responded to what she said. He asked good questions and then responded and drew her into a deeper spiritual conversation. Well, you can see some of the other ground rules that are there in in your bulletin. And when I encourage you also then, there's a little outline because the way to be able to do it is to begin with your story, what God has done for you. This is the most powerful thing that we can share. We want to share scripture, and the little wide card that I give you gives some scriptures on the back that explain the gospel presentation of of what God has done for us, and it, it gives some concise sentences that help us understand the points in the we, he, and you of, of the why about how what we were created to do, that we were created to share his life and to show his greatness, but our sin and selfishness have forfeited that purpose and deserve death. That's our problem. But he chose to offer his life to us through Jesus' death and sacrifice, offering us eternal life if we will call upon his name. And you have to choose. You can choose to call on Jesus or you can choose to reject Jesus, but you will choose. And I just gave you the gospel message in about three sentences, and it wasn't that complicated, was it? You can do it. But with it, what will give it the opportunity to open up doors is you sharing your story. So I want to encourage you to write down either on the the blanks that are there in your sermon notes or or to go home and, and write it up. Write some of your story about your life before you met Jesus, how you came to know the Lord, how he has changed you, and what Jesus means to you now. Because as you reflect and think on that, God is going to open up opportunities for you to share his story through your life in the life of someone else. And if we'll be obedient and brave enough, we'll discover God using us in amazing ways. Well, that's the message, and I'm going to just leave it there because it's far better than than hearing a sermon. It's better to hear a life. And so I want to ask my friend and brother Majid to come and to share with us a little bit about what God has done in his life, um, what God brought him here, and what God is doing now in them and through them. Welcome, brother. All right, thank you.